Hello, hockey fans, and welcome along to the Bees Radio Network podcast. Thankfully, my voice isn't that bad, but it is a little bit uh, shallow following last Sunday's extravaganza of a game at the Hive. Joining me this week, as ever, he's he's clean shaven. Are you this week, Mark? And not clean shaven. Not clean shaven. Clean shaven on top, though. On top, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way. Mark Denham, joining Mark. You well? I'm all right. How are you? Uh, recovering, I think, is the best way of describing it. Following, Vocal cords uh, returning to normal now, are they? I would never say they get returning to normal because it was uh, an extraordinary game at the Hive. Uh, another one-goal game to see it into the start of the season as we maintained our 100% home record with that 4-3 penalty shot victory over the Milton Keynes Lightning. Uh, a, a great game. That final period, I think... If if you've never been to a hockey game before and that was your first game, you're definitely coming back again if they're all like that. It was just frenetic, I think, is the best way of describing it. It was a nail-biter for sure, wasn't it? Oh, just I, I, I'm trying to... I mean, you got to look at the game as a whole piece uh, and we, we have to start with the first period. Period one was uh, terrible. Uh, I think there's no. I think Doug's been a, 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 is equally blunt about it and the point that Doug is making on that is... Swindon, we, we, we went to Swindon. Swindon are a very good team. We'll talk about them a little bit later on ahead of this weekend's game. But they, they we, we came away from there with a 5-0 defeat. A little bit of tails between the leg. Important to, to lay a statement in the first period. And, and I, I'm still trying to work this out. Was it Milton Keynes being very effective in the neutral zone and just neutralising our play? Or was it a little bit that actually we just came out very flat? I, I, I'm not sure which way. Where do you sit on that, Mark? I think... We're going to have to take the blame for that, if I'm honest. Like, I think that you could see when we got to the second period, we stepped up a gear. Milton Keynes still played that same game, that same system, but we stepped up a gear in the second period, and you could see the difference. In the first period, every passage that we did make through the neutral zone, I thought was more by luck. You know, there were sticks in the passing lanes, but pucks happened to bobble to our guy, and that was great. Whereas by the second period, those sticks in the passing lanes were avoided and the pucks were tape to tape. So I think, you know, yes, Milton Keynes did have a great start to the game, but I think that we'll also have to take a fair share of the blame for that. I think, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a a hangover from the night before or whatever. But, you know, as Doug said in his piece in the weekend review, and as you alluded to, if you have gone down the night before, and let's be honest, that game was alive right up until the last two minutes as well. That game was alive in Swindon. If you have gone down the night before, you have to come out the next night, especially on your home house, firing. And you have to come out determined to get half the points available in the weekend. And I think that it took us 20 minutes to warm up. Oh, I would think you're even looking at half an hour, actually, because even at the start of the second, there was still there was a there was a spell with about eight minutes gone in the period when that you could just see the gears begin to turn. And yeah. it's funny, it's why it's one of those things as well. You go back and obviously when you, you're calling a game live, you, you see what you see what you can see in front of you, and you call it as it is. And that's where probably about ten, even five years ago, there were challenges. I think now you have the hindsight of video. You can go back, you can watch the game, and watching back on the Bees TV highlights that I hope you've all caught as well. I seem to remember at the time I called it uh, Will Steadeyes. Just got in the right place at the right time to bury the puck. I think that was a very harsh call from me, actually. I think Will did a lot of hard work, um, played outstandingly. Doug was singing his praises uh, in one of the interviews that will come out in the paper this week because he really felt that Will stepped up, delivered a great performance and got the goal that probably his performance overall re- was rewarded by 
because of the good play and the good the good way that he settled into that line alongside Roman Malinik. Well, I thought he I thought that was a good goal because it came just after the power play. Uh, now let's bear in mind here that Willstead is the the younger brother, but no, I mean he played with experience above his age most definitely. He got to the front of the net during the power play. He stayed there. He refused to be budged. And then when it came to it, he didn't back down. As the uh, Lightning came back to full strength, Willstead stayed there. And yes, he got to the right place, but he'd been there. He was alert to the game situation. He was alert to the fact the Bees were still in control and in possession. And he refused to either move or be moved. And yeah, he was in the right place at the right time, I think, through a lot of hard work and probably planning on his behalf as well. Yeah, and he, as you say, you go back, you watch the highlights, full credit to Will for that, full credit for his emergence throughout the game. And actually, I think there's a lot that you can take. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about the, the star of the night very soon. But once we got through that rocky spell, the opening 20, 25, 30 minutes, you began to see the elements that this team is going to have as it comes together. Everybody stepping up across the line, everybody delivering a performance and and I think you, you can't write that off right now in the season if you've got a team that's got the character that when the chips are down and we've been in this situation a couple of times this season even on the road these tight games we're having against Peterborough, Basingstoke and Swindon so far even when the score line's not in our favour it's not like the game's running out to a 3-0, 4-0 at the end of the first or the end of the second we're, we're in contention all the way in these games and for uh, uh, all matter of problems if we're falling into penalty trouble, which we'll come on to in a minute. If we, if the buck, if the bounce of the puck isn't going in our favour, if the performance isn't going in our favour, it really is quite good to see that there is that character already in the team to go. You know what? We're not at our best tonight, but we're not going to roll over either. We're going to bat, uh, we're going to battle, we're going to fight for every puck, and that's why we're probably three and three where we are. Where I think this team last season, we could be staring at one and five right now. I think that we have, uh, I think on Saturday, you know, we gave a great account of ourselves for 40 minutes and it got away just in the last two minutes on Saturday. And that was character to go into that period 2-0 down. And there's me saying like we kept ourselves in it, but we did. We kept ourselves in it to go into that period 2-0 down, concede an early goal, but still keep fighting and keep that game alive right up until the last, I think it was 146, if we're going to be accurate, I think. But to keep that game alive until then, that's character. And on Sunday, to go down a goal against the Milton Keynes Lightning, to know that you are playing, should we put it nicely, within yourself in that first period. You know, you know that, not intentionally maybe, but you know, oh, this isn't great. You know, we could do better than this. And yet you then fight back as well. And let's not forget, you know, you say we're going to come on to penalty trouble. To take the lead and then see it eroded with four minutes still left of a five-minute power play to kill. But to carry on going, to carry on with momentum there, to get through overtime as well with another penalty kill in overtime and then win it in penalties, I think that is great character. Yeah, and I think that's going to stand us instead for the rest of the season. Let's let's talk about penalty trouble because there was a little bit of chat across the internet after the game about this one and I can... 
I can understand it. I said something out loud there. And like for those of you who joined us on the uh, live comms, thank you very much indeed. Whether you were 30, 36,000 feet in the air, whether you were sat at home with a cup of tea, we really did enjoy your company for that one. Just to let you know, rough sort of numbers for this. We're talking about each week, we're getting around about 500 to 600 listens per match, which is an incredible number. Uh, and, I, and this is for something that is only, what, four or five weeks old. It's going to be interesting to go back to those numbers at the end of the season. It's funny when we we can see a peak chart and uh, when it went to penalty shots, the numbers just shot up as other people joined us from across the league. So really fascinating. But obviously the key point for the game, we went 3-2 up. um, Robin Kovar turning it on and turning on and delivering an absolute stunning performance. And then we fell into this match penalty for for roughing that went against Brendan Baird. And... uh, unfortunately for us, it's one of those where we both tracked the puck and followed. We saw there was a little bit of afters, but just sort of waved it off as they were beginning to skate away from the corner and referee Brooks, I believe it was, was right in the middle and splitting them up. You sort of turn your eye away and go, hang on, the play's going the other way. And then all of a sudden we turn back and we go, oh, there's a penalty coming up. And both of us went, it's an illegal equipment. Brendan's lost well, his helmet. that was my first thought straight away. Yeah, he's continued to play. We straight away went, okay, it's just a two minute. And then all of a sudden Brendan disappears to the dressing room and we're going well, what on earth is this about? And Adrian from Bees TV, he's filming that moment so he can lip read and he's hearing it's a match penalty for roughing. And you've gone back and you've watched the high. And again, even for Bees TV, it's in a bit of a blind spot of a blind spot, but we did still pick up what caused the roughing uh, call to come through. The call on the ice, from what I've gathered, was that they believe it was a sucker punch that uh, Brendan threw on Tanaka, which I just don't see. Right now, looking at the replay again, I mean, there's an argument. Tanaka removed Brendan Baird's helmet. That should be a misconduct call in its own self, uh, knocking another player's helmet off. But you're calling what Brendan did a sucker punch. To me, it just looks like it's a push away. Get away from me. I've had enough of this. And for some reason, it's been called as a sucker punch, and that's been given as a match misconduct. It's going to be very interesting if this goes to the disciplinary committee. And I wouldn't be surprised if you might see that penalty overturned. Well, it, I mean, it will go to disciplinary. That's the thing with a match. Um, the, the rules say that with a match penalty, you cannot take part in a game again until discipline have reviewed this. It comes with an automatic one game, but then a match penalty must go before discipline. That consists of video evidence, if available, uh, which also, if we're talking about video evidence, if available for the, the discipline, all games are supposed to be videoed, are they? Does that then mean that some teams are getting an unfair advantage when it comes to discipline review or not? But in terms of discipline, they'll look at video reviews if available, and they'll also look at the reports of the officials. So, yeah, that will go before discipline, and I can't really comment, if I'm honest, because I didn't see it. I was standing further back than you to let you take the front position for the commentary. And I didn't really see it, and I can't commentate. But like you, I assumed as Brendan skated away, and initially play continued as Brendan skated away, I then assumed that they picked him for illegal equipment because, again, the rules say if you do lose your helmet, you have to leave the ice straight away. And I thought that's what it was. It will obviously go before discipline now, and we'll see what happens. And is this just going to be one of those cases this season? Obviously, we've returned to a four-man system this year in the NIHL National. Quite rightly, I do believe the four-man system is the way forward. Last year, when you had your three-man system, the referee would have been tracking the puck and following the puck up the ice. Might have missed that whole incident in the corner and and not got involved with it in the same way that the referee did 
on that occasion. But as a result, the referee's there. He's able to make a call and go, no, that's a, a match penalty for roughing. I think last year with a three-man system, it wouldn't have been called. I think this year with the fourth man, it has been called, whether it's the right call or not. Video replay, I think, suggests it's not. But I'm sure there are MK fans who will look at it and go, no, it's a definite it's a definite sucker punch. I don't believe it's a sucker punch, but that's that was the ruling that got given and I'm sure will be mentioned in the referee's report. And I think we're beginning to see a little bit of that with this four-man system at the moment. You are seeing... I know there were some frustrations from the Raiders versus Wildcats game at the weekend where uh, one referee didn't call a tripping that was right by it, but the referee at the other end of the ice did call the tripping on the play. So the referee who hadn't called the tripping then gave a simulation penalty to level it up at because uh, he didn't believe it was a tripping call. And I, th- I think you're going to see some growing pains. We saw it when it the four-man system was in the EPIHL, and I think it worked brilliantly in the end because it allowed younger referees a real good chance to develop when you had the likes of Steph Hogarth learning under the wing of Dave Cloutman, Matt Thompson. It really worked well. I think there's a little bit of an issue right now in that there doesn't really seem to be two senior, a senior and a young referee. You've got some games where it's just two referees. I think that's, it's a growing pain. We're just going to have to cope with it and learn and develop with it. And I'm sure as the season goes on, there'll be a leveling out of, some of these calls, and I'm sure the players will also learn alongside it. I, I just think it's a little bit of a, yeah, Brendan's got unlucky. The four-man system means it's been called. It's a learning point for everybody to take forward. But also, I think we are going to have a few more weeks of not overzealous. That's not the word I'm looking for. But it's more, you're going to see some calls that you're going to go, well, hang on, last year that wouldn't have got called. You've got those extra eyeballs this year. They're going to catch those mm. calls. One of the best ones I ever saw was Dave Cloutman and Matt Thompson refereeing a game together and you watched and you could just tell here's two top officials both know their role both know their stuff because as a penalty was called both arms went up at the same time and I was thinking this is how it should be like they're both in tune with each other but then you had officials like Steph Hogarth who's now gone on to excel in the elite league who learned from Dave Cloutman, Matt Thompson uh, Roman Sooks at the time, Tim Pickett as well. Tim Pickett is an official I feel we don't see enough of in this league, uh, certainly last year. I just don't think we yeah. saw enough of him. He's certainly one of the top officials that was available last year for the NIHL1 Britain. And, um, like you know, I don't know. I've not checked enough game sheets. I don't know how many games he's done this year, either in Britain or in national. But when you think of this, it's a great opportunity to almost fast track the younger officials. I mean, if you look at Steph Hogarth, Steph got not blocked is the word, but kind of held back due to the one man system for a long, long, long time. And I remember it was a midweek game in Slough. And I remember Dave Cloutman speaking to the coach saying, look, I'm going to line this game and Steph is going to ref it. And this was, I think the first time Steph had ever refed. And he spoke to me, he said, I'm a little bit nervous now because the first time I have a ref, Dave Cloutman's going to line for me. Fair play to Clouts. He spoke, I overheard the conversation with Steph at the start of the game. He said, look, he said, I'm lining. If you need anything, ask me. I won't interfere. And I think that's one of the good things with the four-man system is it's allowing those that want to step up either from lining to get into refing and then make their way up through the the NIHL 2, the juniors, of course, NIHL 2, Britain, and then upwards. Or it's allowing, you know, like those that maybe want to 
step off, uh, step off from lining and make their way up as well. It's it's kind of like a fast track, I think. But the downside is it does come with this transition period because I think we saw on Saturday a number of players from both teams express their frustration at calls that, as you say, with one official that would have been tracking the puck last year, they would have got away with. And yet stuff that's just off the play this year, little little hack or a whack, the second referee is like, oh no, I'm not having that. And up goes the arm. And you just see the frustration, I think, for a little while as players get used to the fact, hang on, there are now four eyes watching everything we do that can call penalties. And yeah, I, I mean, I have no problem with the four-man system and I think it is the right thing to do because I think last season with the three-man system, you knew with certain referees you were going to get a fairly decently cool game and with other referees, you were going to get an absolute crackpot of anything. Uh, and I think there is a little bit of levelling out needed. And like you've mentioned perfectly there, Dave Cloutman, Matt Thompson, Roman Zooks, they're not in this league anymore. Uh, Clouts is obviously there as a referee support. But the other two, Matt's up in the Elite League. Zooks is obviously no longer in the league. Have they really been replaced? I mean, even that you put in Tim Pickett as well, as you say, quite rightly, didn't call many games last season, sadly for him. Uh, you mean there's politics in British ice hockey? Oh, never. Um, but See, I just can't understand that because Tim has been for a long time. Tim did Coventry two years in a row. You know, he's not a bad referee. He did Coventry two years in a row. I don't know what's happened because I think, you know, we saw him once last year. And I know, like, obviously the referees have to be allocated up and down the country. (laughs) But we saw him once last year. But then when you look at other games and you see referee, I was thinking, where is Tim Pickett? I just don't get that. Like, there you have got someone who is experienced, who calls a good game in a good way, communicates well with the players, has the respect to the players and the coaches, and is an ideal mentor for an up-and-coming referee to learn from. And yet we're not seeing enough of him, in my opinion, and I don't know why. No, well, I don't think... Well, I think there is a reason why, and I'm sure, as I say, it comes down to the politics word, um, and it's purely and simply that. But as a result, it's to the detriment of the sport, and it's to the detriment of, also, I'd argue, referee development right now. Now, maybe with the four-man system, you're going to see him, and you're going to see the likes of Stephen Matthews step up and become those senior referees and support Obviously, this so far this year in Bracknell, we haven't seen that on the home games. Uh, and I'm sure the average fan who's coming in the building isn't worrying about the fact, oh, it's a four-man system. They're going to look at it and go, well, who are these two guys calling the game? Oh, here we go. And it's not to dog the officials. It's, it's a hard job. I used to be a football referee when I was younger. Anytime you officiate a game, it's a hard job. And I'm not saying what those guys are. <laughs> There's no game without them, as a famous coin of phrases goes. But what I'm saying is, I think as fan, as, as the hardcore and the, the longer term fans, we are just going to have to eat this period of learning. And I don't know how long it's going to take. Could take 12 months, could take 18 months, could take six months. I just don't know right now. But mm. we're going to have to eat this because it is for the benefit to bring, for more, bring through more senior officials and to call better games. It will get there. It's just going to be a case of how long is it going to take to get there and uh yeah, you're going to have these growing pains. You're going to have these frustrations like this incident in the Raiders uh, Wildcat game, like some of the incidents we had this weekend as well. It will get there. You've just got to bear with it, I think, right now, because there is there has not been the officials stepping forward to become officials. And as a result, there's a little bit, there's a big recruitment drive from Ice Hockey UK led by Joy Johnson slash Topman, from those of you who remember from her refereeing days. Um, there's been a big recruitment drive. There's a big support network now there. 
It's a bit like a junior program. You don't set up a junior program within a year, expect four players to be in your team. No, it takes time to develop these people. And I think that's where we're just going to have this bit of a growing period with the officials. The one thing I will say about the officials is absolutely nobody ever turns up wanting to do a bad job, intentionally doing a bad job. And the other thing that you have to remember is they, we mentioned this on the the stream as well. There are rules of the game. And on top of those, there are EIHA interpretations. They've studied those rules and those interpretations, and they call the game to the best of their understanding of those rules and their interpretations. But the one thing that they don't have, because if you watch a lot of talking points, they'll re-become talking points after highlights are published. The one thing they don't have is multiple camera angles, replays, and slow-mos. And that's often where you'll find a lot of referees are criticised because you'll then get supporters who will sit and watch Beast TV, they'll watch Lightning TV, Bison TV, whoever's TV it is, and they'll think, oh, well, that's blatantly wrong. And occasionally, calls are wrong. We're all human. We all make mistakes. Players make mistakes. Uh, Officials make mistakes. Occasionally, they are wrong but they're calling what they believe to be right in the world's fastest team sport with just one view of it from one angle. No replay, no slow-mo. And I think that's also where a lot of officials come in for a lot of stick is when you see something perhaps slowed down from five or six different angles, you think, well, do you know what? From that angle, yeah, he's got it right. But then when you look at it from there, it's blatantly wrong. Well, you have to imagine the referee is in one place with one set of eyes at full speed, and he has to make that call. Yeah, and then to, to give to give Adrian his credit on Beast TV, he does send these videos across and works very closely with Joy and Ice Hockey UK to provide the tools not only for when it comes to disciplinary matters, but also for learning tools. And uh, Adrian will tell you stories from the conferences about how it's pretty much Beast TV used to highlight good and learning experiences that's a very <laughs> diplomatic <It's> very way. PC. <laughs> very pc but they are utilized in a good way and it's one of the big helping points that is in the league that we do have this service that does support uh, officials in their development um and you mentioned about watching highlights uh i don't know how many times i've watched robin koval's three goals from the weekend and maybe those three goals aren't even the biggest highlight of the weekend because you wax lyrical about it uh, on the stream that chip from behind the net to set up an opportunity, it was simply outrageous. That could have been the game winner, couldn't it, that he made right there. And I don't think I've seen anything like that before. It's outstanding. And, and this is the thing, like, he saw it, he saw there was no option to the left, no option to the right. What am I going to do? Throw it on net, see what happens. And he completely did that with the chip shot. But that's probably taking something away from that first goal. And I said it at the end of the game. I said, we, we've had fans question, well, oh, when's Kovar going to turn up? Oh, when's he going to play? Oh, we just, another year, another year with an import injury, another year, oh, oh we've heard it all. And we, I think the blunt point is, get Robin fit, let Robin come back at 100% rather than 80%. And even this weekend, he, he was 100% fit, but there's game rustiness that he just needed to brush off. It took him till the third period to do so, but once he brushed it off, he proved what a player he's going to be in this league this year. He proved what he's going to open up those opportunities. That shot for the first one that just whistled past Jordan Lorde was simply outstanding. Then doing the battling work to score the second and then the penalty shot as well, which was just a class above, really. Just showing what Rockin' Robin Kovar is going to do at the Hive this season and what he's going to bring to this Bracknell outfit. 
I think he looked sharp all game long, if I'm honest. He looked sharp and he looked up for it all game long. When you talk about the penalty shot, you know, everybody has their own style, don't they? But Robin, as you mentioned on the stream, absolutely no run-up. He just stood next to the puck and tapped it away and off he went slowly, casually. And sometimes you see people who are frenetic. No, Robin had it all in his stride, didn't he? And he just did enough to outwork Lorday. Oh, I'll have it now. And that was it. There was nothing rushed about it. There was nothing frenetic at all. It was just composure and skill. And the, the thing I really loved as well is that he, scoring the first goal, and he, he he didn't celebrate it. If you actually go back and watch it, he pings this brilliant shot in past Lorde, and it was just a little brush of wave to the fans along the bench, straight back to action. Because he hadn't scored a winning goal. He hadn't scored a goal that mm. was putting... He'd, he'd tied the game. He was like, there's still work to be done. Sure, when he scores the second, there was a little bit of a celebration and completely right to do so. But I, I yeah. quite liked that. I quite liked the, you know what? I've scored a goal here, but it's not a winning goal. It's not a goal that's put us in the lead. It's only brought us level. Boys. You know what that reminded me of? Go on. That reminded me of the Headingley Test, the <laughs> one that Ben Stokes won for England. When he scored his 100, Jack Leach comes to celebrate with him and Ben kind of just like, punches gloves I've not finished yet yeah and you could see there was unfinished business there and in a very similar way to Ben Stokes winning that Ashes test and keeping the series alive for England Robin Kovar knew this is not done yet there's more to be done and as you say it was just right I've scored let's get on and see if I can score again and he did he came up with the goods two more times he only gets credited with one of them of course because one goes down to the bench in the penalty shot but three fantastic goals and the chip over the net that could so easily have been assist of the season. That was probably worth two points had that been a goal. That assist on its own was worth two points had it led to a goal. Yeah, indeed. And uh, I mean, it was fantastic from Robin and he had great support from Aidan and great support from Josh as well. And then Roman got firing on his line with Willstead as well. And then there, it real just an all-in battle. And I think that was, uh, we've mentioned about the penalty trouble. The bottom line is the penalty kill unit did an outstanding job all, week, all that game. Before we get onto the penalty. Yeah, of course. Can I just say, much like uh, Stokes at Headingley had Leach with him, we can't forget Adam Goss in net especially when it came to the penalty shots. Here's a guy who last year was a backup goaltender who has now been promoted to a starting goaltender, probably won't have faced that many penalty shots in a game so far in his career. The way he dealt with it, though, the absolute skill, the first one squared off straight away, no room to shoot. The second two, forcing wide, forcing wide, forcing wide, got nothing left now anyway. And it made an easy save for himself by just going and forcing the shooter two and three wide. And he knew, obviously, like on that third shot, he knew, I save this, we've won the game. And it was just the calmness and the composure of, well, I'm going to give you nothing to shoot at, so you're going to have to be absolutely amazing here to beat me. And he did it. And I think, you know, quite rightly, Robin Kovar did get the man the match. Three goals, that flick over the net, Work ethic, hard work. Yeah, he deserved it. But it must have been a very close call. TSI World, our team sponsor, were the game sponsor on Sunday night. It must have been a very close call between him and Adam Goss as well, because I think he does deserve a big shout out for some of the saves he made in regulation. Um, Obviously, he made the saves in overtime as well while we were killing penalties, which you want to come on to in a moment. But just the calmness and composure 
and the way he squared off to that first shooter and just drove the other two wide. Like, you know, it was an absolutely nothing normal day at the office. I thought he had a great game as well. And if we're talking about heroes, I think you have to put them together. Maybe Batman and Robin. Yeah, I like that indeed. Yeah. Batman and Rockin' Robin. Batman and Rockin' Robin. Love it a lot. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I was going to mention him as part of this penalty kill unit, but in terms of the penalty kill did an excellent job in keeping the opportunities wide, limiting the number of real goal-scoring opportunities that the Milton Keynes Lightning had. And if they did get a real goal-scoring opportunity, Adam Goss was equal to the challenge in net. I- Stuart Moggs probably never played such ice time in all his life. He's never probably had so many minutes on the ice as he went on penalty kill, penalty kill, penalty kill. But his job on the near side, taking away the opportunity from the likes of Tanaka, taking away the opportunities from the likes of uh, Nahi, really showed his ability in there, I think. And uh, like, you, you can't take that away from him, how he kept battling, he kept fighting, uh, along with the rest of the decal, with Harvey Stead, with... Uh, Joe Baird um, with Eddie Nags. Like, and you've got to give them credit, and Luke Jackson as well. You've got to give them credit. They were down a man. It wasn't like they had that extra blow that they could rest up on. They had to keep skating and keep skating and keep skating. And they held their concentration. They held their desire with the support of the forwards. And a three and three start to the season. I think there's so many teams close in the pack. And you, you saw some bizarre results across the, the league again this weekend. It really is a bizarro league at the moment. Raiders, Swindon having done us 5-0 on their home ice, go to Raiders. I think at the start of the season, you walk into bookies, you're putting down a Swindon win there. Raiders coming away with the win and making it a two-game win weekend, having gone up to Hull and won. Hull, who had been running away at the top of the table after the first couple of weeks, back-to-back defeats, slipped down the table. Like it's, it, All it takes is you have a good weekend, you pick up two wins, you're back up there. You pick up two defeats, you're sliding down the table. But there's a little bit of an argument of right now, 500 hockey, it's it's doable. You're in that mid-table, and then if you can build a little bit of a run of form and a little put, string together maybe one or two or three victories, you're just going to slide up the table up into that first, second, third position because everything's within grasp at the moment. Everything, sorry, is within grasp in this league at the moment. We're still at that time, aren't we, in the season where the table doesn't really mean too much because we've only played six games and as you say one good weekend can boost you from seventh up to first um you know if you look at the table at the moment Swindon are ahead of us in the table but only due to two points from two overtime losses they like us are three and three but two of their three have gained them a point from being an overtime loss so yeah this is close it's competitive And it's also throwing up the surprises as well. You know, those results at the weekend uh, just show that there's going to be surprises in this league. Stuart called it when he appeared on the podcast. I don't think there's that much between any of the teams this year. And I don't think any game at all is a given. And I think we're seeing that. The more and more teams that we get to see are not only at the Hive or either like when Bracknell go there, but the more and more results you look at, you see can't really predict much here can you because who would have thought the Raiders would have turned over Swindon yeah who would have thought Hull after their start would have failed to win a game this weekend and yet that's that's exciting hockey because you're not going to any rink in the country saying I'm going to go and watch my team win or I'm going to go and watch my team lose you're saying I'm going to watch a game of hockey and I don't know what the result will be. Yeah, and I think there's going to be no greater example than that of this weekend. Obviously, it's just the one game for the Bees this weekend. 
and what a game it is at the Hive on Sunday night with the 5.30 face-off. As the Swindon Wildcats come to town, a very quick opportunity to turn over that result from the following Saturday, a one-game weekend. All the effort goes into just 60 minutes of hockey for the Bees. It's a good opportunity to get two points on the board and, and make another statement this early in the season. That's the 5.30-ish face-off on a Sunday. We got to 5.40 uh, this no. week. We got to 5.40. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting closer, aren't we? We're getting closer. We'll go for what? 5.36, 5, 5.37? 5.35 is my bet. 5.35. Um, now, yeah, Swindon are the only team that have won in Bracknell so far this year in pre-season. We went to Swindon. We beat them. They came to Bracknell, they beat us. They are the only team that has won in Bracknell this season other than Bracknell. Uh, In the league and cup, we are so far undefeated on home ice. But there is that game from last weekend which went with the home team and uh, it ended up 5-0. You look at that on paper without reading the the game sheet or the game report or anything, you think, well, what a rubbish performance that was, a 5-0 shutout. But as I said earlier, That game was alive right up until the final two minutes. That game was alive. When you go into a period two down, you know that you're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to open up. And against teams like Swindon and like Hull and that, you're going to find, okay, it's going to be a risk because they have firepower, they have quality, and they're quick. If you do turn over, which you may when you've opened up, you've got your defenseman moving forward quicker and quicker to join the play and boost the offensive opportunities, you're going to get caught sometimes. And that's what happened to us at the end of that game, fighting valiantly to get that game back into our control. We conceded a uh, a late goal within the two minutes and then like a throwaway power play goal at the end as well. 5-0, I think, no disrespect to Swindon, I think 5-0 is a, a flattering scoreline. If, you know... A 5-0 win, you can't say, well, Swindon were lucky to win it. But I think the scoreline slightly flatters them. This weekend, Kovar is coming in now with miles in the legs on the ice. He's done those, you know, first two games back. He only played one game, which was at Swindon before he was out injured. And he sat out injured for a, a number of weeks. He's kept himself fit, as we saw. You could see he was fit. But yeah, he's got you know, another couple of games under his belt in terms of miles in the legs. And he's got another couple of games, crucially, playing with his teammates and his line mates. And I think that we are going to see on home ice, in Fortress High, if you can call it that, I think that we are going to see a a different performance this Sunday. And obviously, I think the lesson is going to be learned as well. You know, like you could get the impression from Doug's quote that he wasn't happy with the start on Sunday. There's no excuse this Sunday because the guys aren't playing on Saturday. So there's no excuse at all for a flat start. And I just don't see that Doug's going to allow a flat start to happen on Sunday because we know that the Wildcats are capable of beating us if we give them the opportunity to do so. So I would imagine big, fast-paced start from the Bees, not giving an inch and looking to capitalise on every opportunity this weekend. It will be a cracker. How can fans pick up tickets to the game, Mark? If they'd like to get tickets, you can buy them by calling the rink. That is 01344 789 And how can fans keep up to date with all the latest ahead of the game, including the weekend preview? 
on the website, BracknellBees.com. If you're on Facebook, it's Bees Ice Hockey. If you're on Twitter, it's Bees Ice Hockey. If you're on Instagram, The Bracknell Bees, the uh, social media feeds. If you'd like to keep up to date, you can like, subscribe and follow. And of course, patreon.com forward slash bees radio network but you'd know that because you're here and listening to this fine podcast. indeed and thank you for all your continued support it really is a, a pleasure to bring you this every week along with the live feed that i know so many of you enjoyed so far already it's going to be another cracking weekend of hockey i'm sadly not there i'm having to work this weekend i'm absolutely gutted not to be there but i'm sure mark's very safe and capable hands will take you through it well uh, <laughs> thankfully i did get my uh I did get my little, like, you know, preview run in last weekend, didn't I? When we had our technical issues where I was just thrown in at the deep end. This weekend, I've um, actually got time to prepare. And oh, he won't be nervous at all. I'm sure he'll do a great job, Eddie. It's all good fun. It's those big shoes. There's to no fill. shoes to fill. Trust me. They're tiny shoes. They're little, little, little clogs <laughs> almost to fill. Anyway, fans, thank you very much as ever for tuning in. Thank you very much for all your support as ever. It's going to be a cracking weekend of action. Mark, uh, take care of yourself. Enjoy it. Graham, I'll see you next week for some podcasting. I will see you all for next week for some podcasting as well. Happy hockey fans. Bees Radio Network. BracknellBees.com.